Hello and welcome to Founders Unplugged. I am your host, Greg McCallum, also known as the Pay As You Scale Commercial Advisor. Before we start, just wanted to let you know all these conversations are completely voluntary by the founders who are involved. So please give them some love. They're, they're very busy individuals and they're taking up to two hours out of their day to come and sit and chat with me about themselves, about their businesses and about all other kinds of stuff. Look in the uh, description uh, on whatever platform you're watching this and you will find links to them for their LinkedIn profiles and also the projects and the startups they're working on. So do go and check those out. And while you're at it, maybe give me a bit of love too. Um, I do this as something on the side to my main business. I run a company called ThinkWork. Um, and so if you're looking for any advice, I also do free uh, commercial advice um, for those for up to one hour. That job allows me to do this. Thank you so much. Uh, enjoy the episode. Please do um, show love and appreciation for them. And of course, for this episode, if you enjoy it, like it, subscribe, share. Without further ado, I've talked long enough. Enjoy the episode. Thank you. Bye-bye. Founders Unplugged, hosted by Greg McCallum. Just a quick disclaimer before this episode starts. Usually these are one long recording, unedited. Um, that's kind of the gimmick. But unfortunately, we did have some tech issues and some connectivity issues um, with uh, this particular episode. So there will be some edits. So sorry about that in advance, but enjoy the episode. Coming in, so I didn't want, um, I didn't want her to make lots of noise um, in the background. So I thought this would be the best place. <laughs> Yeah, well, look, you've got to you've got to make do in tough situations. It's 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 tough life, but uh... <laughs> yeah, tough life. <laughs> yeah. So um, so yeah, how's things been since we last spoke? Good. Yeah, good. I mean, I'm getting married on Saturday, so I'm super stressed. Um, <laughs> I am learning that I'm like probably one of the most organised people in my family, um, right. and everybody else leaves everything to the last minute. So <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think I had a similar discovery at our wedding. I was like, you know, really? You guys haven't sorted out how to get there? You haven't, you know what I mean? It's just like, it's uh, it's quite surprising, isn't it? But I think it's also because it's your day, obviously. If it was their day, they would probably be just as organised, right? Maybe, but do you know what you think? Like, I've literally grown up in the same environment as you and we've <laughs> got the same, like, similar mindsets. Like, why? Mm. And my mum's super organised, but she just leaves it. Like, I don't know why. Mm. Like, maybe maybe it's, like, as she's grown grown older. She... I've noticed I've noticed that with my mum. So, like, she she just, she gives less of a shit, basically. Yeah. Like, so she, she is an incredibly organised person. Like, you know, very, you know, savvy, business-minded, a great leader, all this sort of stuff. But when it comes to things now in general, she'll be like, I'll be there, you know, between one and five you know what I mean yeah. she just doesn't she just doesn't care she you know she's told me before she's like I've spent my whole life stressing and worrying why should I worry now you know yeah. like, fair enough you've earned it <laughs> you yeah know? I get yeah. that I get that <laughs> must be what it is but uh but yeah wedding plans coming along all right Not, yeah I'm hoping you say you're stressed it. but hopefully you're, you're also feeling rather excited I imagine I am super excited. I am hoping that I've now done everything that I need to do. Yeah, um, yeah. But the the main thing is, is it's like service providers or the venue coming back to us and asking us like, oh, we need this from you. And it's like, uh, you could have asked me this like six months ago. The week before. <laughs> Are you doing outdoor, indoor, bit of both? So, yeah, so we, logistically, it's a little bit more of a challenging wedding because we are getting married in a church in central London off Great yeah. Portland Street um, mm -hmm. and then we get a coach to Teddington um, and then 
we're getting the reception is in a place called the Lensbury um and we've got like a private outdoor decking area and an inside option so i mean the oh, weather's beautiful. supposed to be really lovely and hot mm. um so it'll be lovely to, to have people and we've got like a gin garden and, and things like that which will be cool um, wow i've never heard of one of those it sounds no. like a very <laughs> difficult thing to uh to keep <laughs> pruning and yeah yeah wow yeah so um yeah so it should be lovely um and we've already had the complaints from from the guys saying do i have to wear a tux yes you do <laughs> brilliant have you uh have you guys done the the this the sort of traditional sag and hen dues because i know that they're not they're sort of falling out of favor they're not as popular these days i i do yeah i mean i think that it's totally like out of like blown out of proportion like hen and stag dues i think yeah. they are a little bit ridiculous um i did I, <laughs> I was very lucky um in a sense to have um like a long weekend uh, it was a bank holiday weekend and we did it mostly in london because we had people traveling from all parts of the uk so the yeah. central base was was london um so that was lovely and we did i would say mine was a bit more humbler than kind of what a lot of people are used to now mm. um my partners on the other hand was not humble um he <laughs> went to portugal and surfed and played sports and oh wow barbecues and um yeah but at least it was it's like it sounds semi-cultural right as opposed yes. to just you know go to a nightclub you know and get smashed you know yeah for, for a couple of days or whatever you know, that, I mean, that he was getting sounds... smashed. <laughs> well, yeah, I can imagine, but they, uh, you know, but but at least there's surfing involved and this and that. You know what I mean? Yeah, it could absolutely. have very easily just got smashed, slept in, got smashed again. You know what I mean? And that's what yeah. a lot of people do. Um, yeah, it's not a Benidorm. Yeah, a exactly. Style stag do. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't appeal to me at all. For, for my stag do, it was it was wasn't really a stag do. It was just literally a night out with my two very closest friends and my brother. We went to Brighton. It's just down the road. Uh, we actually went out very early in the day, originally, you know, and and sort of did a bit of shopping and stuff. You know, picked up a few bits and pieces, had a had a bite to eat, had a few drinks, and we were in bed by like twelve. You know, oh, <laughs> it was That's just nice. nice to catch up because I don't see them that often. So it was just more than anything. I was like, I'd rather remember tonight. If that's okay. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, but anyway, we haven't um, really done the proper um, structure of this podcast yet, so we might as well. Um, so, not that there is much. Um, the, the, all, all I really um, like to do, uh, more than anything, actually, at the beginning, is just ask my guests to introduce themselves, um, because we've just jumped straight in. But of course, anyone listening right now is probably like, well, who the hell are these people? Yeah. Um, so we should probably do that. So why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and introduce your business, or in your case, businesses. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself and, uh, yeah. I'd appreciate it. Cool. So my name is Rosaria Barreto, um, and I'd like to think that I'm a serial entrepreneur. Um, I have run three businesses. Um, I'm 26 years old, and I am currently working on um, building a web-based web platform, um, which is focused on older adults to find and access suitable uh, group exercise programs um, either online, in person, um, or in a one-to-one -one setting. So um, that's my business. It's called Mature Movers. Um, and then, as as you know now, I'm getting married um, at the weekend, and I am about to go to um, the Amalfi Coast for my honeymoon. Oh, wow, beautiful. How long yeah. for? 
Um, we're going for 10 nights because I have to go to a hen party in Marbella. Um, ah. Straight from <laughs> Naples, yeah. <laughs> of course. Again, tough life, you know, but these things have to be done. No, you know? yeah, I'm I'm super, super lucky. I mean, I grew up in a very working class um, family. My, I'm one of nine children. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, so it was very Christmas must much. be a nightmare. Yeah, I mean, it's getting better now. We're a bit older. Um, yeah. But yeah, so, I mean, like, at one point in our life, I think it was like six children in one bedroom um, kind of wow. thing. So yeah. we've been re really, um, like, taught to appreciate the value of money and the value mm. of good things and, and good times. And I think that kind of feeds into my uh, drive because yeah. I really like the champagne lifestyle um, and I know what it's like to not have the ability to just say, oh, I want to go and do this um, mm. because there were times in our lives that we couldn't do that because we didn't have money or we yeah. didn't have the opportunities available to us. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I can. Uh, it's interesting because of my um, my child. I don't really talk about uh, myself too much on these things. Obviously, you know, it's not about me, but it just made me think about I was very fortunate growing up. So um, uh, between about the ages of yeah, up to about five, um, my parents were still together and my father had a very successful business and my mother was actually helping with it. Um, and uh, we had a huge, huge house um, and, you know, for uh, always at least three or four foreign students living with us. It was like an eight bedroom house. Ah. Really nice. But yeah, it was really, really right. Um, and so I, I recognized I was definitely we were well off. Right. We were definitely well off. We were, mm. we were upper working class because my dad was a builder. He, he was by no means, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, anything other than working class. But then but then they divorced and a few years following that everything got scaled back right obviously like you know suddenly yeah. the business is gone money's tight my mum's now a single mum you know it and it's all stripped back we move into a very very small house you know we're very tight we're no longer going on lavish holidays and it was I'm, I'm, in some ways I'm kind of grateful of that because um because it made me sort of although I was quite young to, to remember too much about what it was like in the in the bigger house and that lifestyle I do remember some things do you know what I mean and and I think that that for me similar to you it's like I've, I've experienced that at some point it was lovely <laughs> you know and but I equally understand um how fragile that is right and that that's the thing isn't it and and that, what I always say to people I even told my son this the other day I say money is the easiest thing to get a hold of it's the hardest thing to keep uh because it is everywhere but it's, it's that, very yeah. very difficult to keep yeah but um, I love that mindset I think that that's really key um because mm. I think also growing up um where money is a, a massive consideration um you can also go the opposite way in the sense that money's really really hard to come by yeah. and I think that that can be really really detrimental to um a person's mental health because yeah. It's like this constant worry, like like we're, we're never going to have money, or we're not going to have money, or um, like I have to like kill myself to be able to afford this kind of thing. Yeah, um, in, in, in some cases, that that is literally a viable option for people that they, yeah. they, that they decide to choose, which is which is horrendous to say, but that that's that is what they decide to do because of insurance to provide yeah. for their family. Yeah, yeah, um, and um, I think. Like I think society has a massive, massive um, responsibility there, and um, it's. I think there's there's two elements to it, two main elements, or lots of elements, but two main elements in the sense that 
you have people who really 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 work hard they have to really think about where their spending is and and all of those things and um they have to live quite a, a disciplined lifestyle mm. um and then you also have the people who are in a very similar situation but they don't appreciate the value of money and i think it, that that's that influence a lifestyle um approach where you don't actually have the money to spend but you're spending anyway and yeah. i see like, my friends living like that and um but the mindset is interesting because the difference between the two is one is like money comes money goes and then or money goes money comes and then the other yeah. is i have to be super super careful with spending money and i can see the negative elements and the positive elements of both of them yeah um, i don't know where i'm going with this um <laughs> no no i i see what you mean I, I think there's 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 potentially sort of another mindset to that which is um and you know what the, the the common thread between all of these conversations i have is always the one word balance right and i think it, there, there is a balance between between those mindsets which is you know yeah keep keep a hold of it don't let go of it be a bit tight you know be really considerate about where you know where you spend your money um obviously that's 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 just a bit of common sense right you know just just be a bit careful but at the same time you do have to let go a little bit if you work hard for it then enjoy it right so it's yeah. about finding that balance but but it's kind of like you know i always use the, the the comparison of going to the casino you know you don't go to the casino with money you can't afford to lose in the same way that you shouldn't be going on holiday if you can't afford to lose it right yeah. um, if it's going to stress you out late after the fact then it's a pointless holiday right um but but the the, uh, the mindset of money is the easiest thing in the world to come by but the hardest thing to keep is like like you said there are i think people out there with that mindset of i will you know money is impossible to get i can't get money and that's just couldn't be further from the truth the truth is you need to find a way of getting it because of it's mm. everywhere <laughs> Like, and, and, and that's for the, the, the exact same reason why it's so hard, easy to get, but so hard to keep because if by that logic, everyone's trying to take your money. Yeah, <laughs> right? yeah. So, because you, and so you can take everyone else's, you know, it's just, it moves around, you know? But, yeah. Uh, I mean, I've had to really work on my money mindset, um, hmm. as an individual, because I used to be extremely worried about spending money, like yeah. super, super worried. And that, that definitely comes from um my environment growing up mm. and um i didn't want to live like that anymore and yeah. um so so what i did is i just i learned so much about like money mindset and um like how to let go of that worry and, and things like that and something that really really changed and was a really impactful moment was when i was listening to a podcast and it was talking about the how money is just energy and mm. we, like we we put in, in energy to get the money um so like the energy we put in we get back through money so and the money that we give back then has like it, you're giving energy back to to kind of wherever wherever it came from mm. and that extraction of energy everywhere and like just letting go and not thinking of money as just like money and thinking of it thinking of it as a extraction of energy really and it's really hard i find it quite challenging to explain how i understand it but i think i know what you mean I, I i often um the way i look at money is is actually the exchange of time 
that that's how often I often look at it, which I suppose in some ways is kind of it is kind of you know two sides of the same coin, right? Yeah. Because of time is the the you know usually you use the time right in in a in a particular way, so it's the exertion of energy or, or effort or whatever, and or the 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 desire not to exert energy, right, <laughs> or, time, or effort. Um, but yeah, I, I see what you mean by that, and it's I think it's a good way to. To, to to picture it in our minds i the thing the thing that i think is really problematic with um with money mindsets um as well is the the fact that we don't um and i know this is kind of cliche to say but i mean it in a bit more of a, a comprehensive way that we don't teach enough about it in school but um but more than just finance like actually um sort of giving children a purpose of under you know because let, let's you know we, we we all know that in adult life if you don't have purpose uh, things can be rather difficult and you look at teenagers especially like they're kind of stuck in limbo they're seeing like you said all of this influencer lifestyle they're seeing or, or maybe they want to be an entrepreneur or maybe they just want to get to to work down the you know the, the car shop or be a footballer or whatever um, but they have to be in school so they're kind of stuck in this limbo of like what's my purpose and I think the problem is we're not being clear enough do you know what I mean I'm just like your purpose right now is to learn that's your purpose you know what i mean it, because we're, yeah. we're instead telling them you need to be ready for the world and it's like well I'm, am i ready like when am i doing it you know what i mean it's yeah yeah you need to be ready to make money and like i don't right. think that that's what purpose is um and i think that that is a, a huge pressure that schools put on children yeah. um to to you're essentially learning to make money which is not true um yeah. you're like you're learning to live and the way that you deal with that learning can then impact your way of life. Yeah, um, learning how to interact with the world around you, essentially. Yeah, and um, well, I was going to say something. Oh yeah, I volunteer at like uh, entrepreneurial business days at my secondary school that I used to go to. Oh, wow. And yeah, and I, I, I've given talks and I've also done like mock interviews um, mm. and a really interesting and frustrating thing that happened last time was you're given a booklet and the, the pupils they choose a job like an essentially like a fake job to interview for so it could be like a plumber it could be a lawyer it could be an accountant um and it was exactly those very very traditional um jobs yeah that i that a lot of the, the the young people just didn't relate to at all um and i i I made a comment at the end. I said, I said, all of these jobs are the same list of jobs that I had when I was doing my mock interviews at this school. Yeah. So that's 10 years later and they haven't changed. Yeah. And the world is a completely different place. And young people have things like digital marketing and all of all of these new mm. new jobs that are emerging on a weekly basis, but also like post pandemic um and and it's also super super accessible now to have jobs that aren't your kind of traditional route through education um and i think that that plays a massive part on sorry i've got an airplane going over um that plays a huge part in life purpose money motivation and like well-being um i think to some extent as well it also plays a really huge part into trust right in in the sense of like 
you know, if you're a kid, you're a teenager, you're going through all of the things that you're going through, which we already know is a, is a whirlwind of emotion and hormones and everything else. And then you're looking at the news and then this and that and everything else. And then you find out, you effectively find out that, you, that your school that's meant to be preparing you for life, allegedly, is so out of touch that they are that they're doing that you're not you're not going to trust anything that comes out of their mouth in relation to how to conduct yourself in the business world like you're just not and 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 that's i think that's legitimately what's happening and why you see absolute disengagement from the educational system with a vast majority of children because they're not stupid they are on their phones they are on the internet they can see the world around them you just need to walk outside and look at the world and you can very clearly see the disconnect between what's being taught at schools at, at certain stages uh, and, and the real world. And they're just looking at it and going, you have no idea what you're talking about. Mm. You know what I mean? I'm going to figure this out by myself. And that's a huge problem, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Do, do you think that um, that your, your foray into entrepreneurship was uh, just just by the, the very nature of, of having to start businesses and run businesses was 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 probably the biggest lesson for you for your sort of mindset as in regards to money and and managing money what do you mean uh expand sorry expand on that a little bit well i mean so so for me personally running my first business um when i was younger was was probably the biggest teaching moment for me regarding money mindset because you know there's there was this perception when i was a kid um and, and as a young adult that that you know, businesses are always making money. They always are profitable. There's there's always money in the bank. That you know that if you run a business, you're secure. And then you, the, the realization comes. It's like, oh, money management. Right. There's runway. There's there's you know we have a moment. Uh, you know we have a couple of months, and you're always living. You know a few months. Uh, you know you know what I mean. It's like it just suddenly makes you realize a little bit more about about the reality of business um did, did you find a similar sort of thing and how and, and it sort of affected the way you uh you see that now i know that i didn't study business studies at school um and i never knew that i wanted to run my own business until i went to university um and then at university i did a sports science degree combined with a business management degree and um but even during that degree, I was never taught about money. I was always talking about sales and marketing and mm -hmm. kind of the theory of business. And then I left university and I knew immediately I wanted to start my own business. So I worked part time um, in a private school coaching athletic development and um, part time starting up a essentially a personal training business for people with chronic health conditions. And I didn't have any income um obviously at this point i'd graduated i had worked part-time during uni but that funded kind of my other uni elements mm -hmm. so i had no initial like capital um so luckily within six months i was getting busy enough to actually stop my part-time job and then go full-time focusing on my business but at that point my money mindset was very much like what I would call stingy, right? Um, in a sense, I haven't heard I was... that word for a while. Stingy, that's a good word. <laughs> um, I wasn't willing to spend money to make money, mm. and it's taken me a good four years to really understand what that means. And I think people can just be like, "You have to spend money to make money," and without really, really thinking about it, you get like one extreme where it's like spending so much money, so much money that you actually can never. Um, 
make that make that back mm. um or my or the other end which was me and i was just not willing to spend any money on on developing the company um and things like that and then i changed my money mindset and with that came the ability to spend money on my company um mm. and to spend money on development and what as soon as you get rid of that worry um then it just it really changes your ability to grow and scale a company um mm. in my opinion um there were a few other things i should bring a notepad with me to write down my points um <laughs> <laughs> i always say that every, I, i'm sat at my desk i don't have a notepad in sight and i always think i should probably go because i think of questions and then i forget them and all sorts yeah of, yeah but it, it keeps it more organic so it's fine <laughs> yeah no you're right um so yeah i mean i just i had such a i've learned so much in the last five years uh, which is how long i've been running um my own business um about like you you go into running a company it's really really naive naively and yeah, i think yeah. that there's there's like a massive positive to that because mm. you have these huge ambitions and you you kind of feel a little bit um oh what's the word like you can take on the world you you can mm. um you're undefeated and ignorance is bliss right yeah In a way. yeah i spoke about this with someone recently on this show as well um about how we talked about how it, if they had known the challenges that that were ahead of them um before they decided to, to to start their company they never would have done it and it you know it's just it's a fact you need i think it is important to be young ambitious and completely done to a lot of what's involved in in running a company otherwise you just wouldn't you just wouldn't bother <laughs> i think and i i'm just gonna because i run a pro-aging uh, company <laughs> um and you use the word young it's really interesting and mm. usually um kind of in the in the space that i work in like using the words young and old can be seen as discriminative but i understand exactly what you mean by being young in business because you are naive and i don't think that you can be as naive if you have wisdom behind you mm. and that comes with age and um I think that that's like a key element to starting a business and I and I mean I went straight from graduating university to starting my own business because I thought that would be the best option at that time in my life um I didn't have anything really to lose like at that point in my life I was mm. I didn't have any children I didn't have a mortgage to pay I didn't have kind of really important things that I needed to consider um when starting a business yeah um Whereas when you are a little bit older, um, you have more experience, you have a lot more to consider. And yeah. I think that a lot more risk. Yeah, a lot more risk. And um, it can be a huge barrier to mm. one, starting a business, but also to really committing to running a business. Um, I see a lot of I see a lot of parents in particular um start businesses, but they can't really reach the level of financial freedom that they want because they are also considered they also have to take care for a family they're the primary caregivers um and and things like that um so i think from a personal perspective i was extremely blessed to start my my own company when i did i do now uh, only recently in the last five years think and i don't know if this was really an opportunity back then 
um, but it was never something that came to my knowledge or my awareness um, was to go and work for a startup company. Mm. And um, I really think I would have really benefited from working either in like um, event, like with a venture capitalist um, firm or within a startup company um, to really understand um, how it works, the structure, mm. the terminology, all of those things, because I think, I think that that would have really set me apart and also given me a bit more perspective um, because now I'm at a point where I'm like, oh, I really wish I knew that. Or like, I really wish I had a bit, I was a bit more confident in this area of mm -hmm. fundraising, for example. Um, but I, I'm really, I'm having to learn as I grow, which like most, most other entrepreneurs and business owners you do have to you, you're always learning of it's course. like constant learning experience but I feel like I have to learn a little bit harder um now um because I rushed into starting a business and um essentially like I had a, I had probably quite a negative mindset around age and thinking like oh gosh i'm only 20 at that point i like i'm only 22 and i haven't achieved this and that's society um mm, putting that mm. pressure on me to be like like it's that whole i i don't know if i 100 percent agree like with the forbes 30 under 30 list because um i and I, I appreciate like rapid success in a way um because like obviously it's hard work but when it comes to rapid success i also think a lot of it is luck and oh yeah 100%. um and whereas like you'll have people who've been working on businesses and businesses and businesses and learning and growing and growing and growing and they reach that like that next level what we what you call like traditional understanding of success mm. um in their 50s or 60s mm -hmm. um but that's not necessarily as praised as somebody who's under 30 and is achieving um has achieved the same level of success yeah. Yeah, um, no, it's not, is it? But I, I think there's a good reason for that. I mean, like, yes, I, while I agree, there's a heavy dose of luck in any business sort of success, as we, if you want to call it that, that, that there is equally, um, you know, this, I mean, I, I don't think really luck is is not without you making it sort of happen. Mm. You have to create it to, to a degree. You have to, to put yourself in situations where you're a bit more open to to what you receive, right, in order to, to come across many, many chances. Like, for example, you know, one of the reasons why I love offering my, uh, sort of pro bono uh, sessions is because of it. It affords me the opportunity to meet, you know, like you, some amazing people, and that can sometimes um, result in some really like fortuitous situations. So it's like, oh, I'm working on this. We're, well, we're working on this. Like we should, and you know, by any stretch, someone on the outside, well, well that's lucky. So no, it's not. Like I created that scenario in order for that to occur. Yeah. But then in relation to the age thing, you're right that we don't celebrate that enough. But I do kind of understand it. You know, it's because it's the outlier. It's what's interesting. It has appeal, you know. And in some ways, I suppose it's probably more useful for the 30, for the 30, you know, Euro and unders to have that sort of um, that, that exposure. Because it's probably more useful for them than it is the 50 plus year old. You know what I mean? Like that, well, that, I don't know. Often. I I don't know, not always, but <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think I I disagree with that. Um, in a sense that I you like I think age shouldn't have anything to do with anything. Um, but it does though. 
It does. And, <laughs> it's and a, is, it has a lot to do with 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 things. Like let, let's be, let's call a spade a spade. Like it, it is it is what it is. Like it, it has a huge effect. You know, in the same way that we can't ignore the fact that you know someone under the age of like twenty five or you know even twenty well, twenty one. Um, you know, there's still a lot happening biologically. You know, there's just and at different age points. You know, there's biological changes in the same ways that you know I think priorities change for a lot of people. But yeah, I was definitely making a generalization, though, that's for sure. Um, yeah. But, yeah. No, yeah. And I mean, I just, I, I mean, going back to my main point, it was around the fact that there's so much pressure to achieve at such a young age. Yeah. yeah. And I think that, that that's like, I mean, you look at a lot of men, like, I think the statistics on suicide rates for, for young men um, are horrendous. They yes. are ridiculous. And, um, I think that that comes down to success pressure or pr pressure around achieving success um, mm. as a young man. And I think that that's where it's super dangerous to like to have that expectation of, oh, like, well, you haven't done this yet and you're 30 or you haven't mm. done this yet. And um, you're like, like, what have you been doing with your life? And I think that that mindset is a, is a huge barrier. It, it can be used as a motivator yes but you need like a it goes back to what you said at the beginning balance and mm. like acknowledging yes um i'm going to use this to motivate me but mm. i'm not going to let it take over my life um and and i and i've experienced that where i've ex i've ex experienced extreme anxiety and worry and stress and depression around um success mm. and um and I think that fundamentally comes down to this idea that you need to be able to um, achieve these five things by the time you reach the age of 30. And I see it on, on a daily basis with my friends and my family and even with my partner. Like he's like, right, oh, like he not anymore because I've persuaded him not to. But like I want, a, I want my first child by the time I'm 30. And I'm like, I'm really sorry, but I'm not there. I'm like in mm. my life. Like I do not want to have a child yet. Um, I, I still feel incredibly um how, what's the right word like unready um to, to to be responsible for another human being and it i think his mindset around that like achieving that at by the time you're 30 which all of his friends have yeah. was something that's been like like pushed on you from such a young age mm. um mm to be like yep you need to be able to have a successful job you need to be earning at least this amount a year and have a child and have a mortgage and all of these things yeah, yeah. um so yeah i i had the, i had the exact same, same thing as your your uh your fiance mm -hmm. as i was getting closer to 30 i was like I, i'm childless like this this isn't good i mean you know because then i was starting to think about you know my my fitness levels and you know how long will i be you know what age will they be when i can do this and you know all that sort of stuff and then yeah like you said friends and you're all having kids and um yeah and i wish i hadn't sort of pressured myself so much on that you're mm. absolutely right what one thing that really helped me with my mindset around um the pressure of success so aside from family but the, that sort of pressure on myself to be successful um was and and again you know similar to you you know really crippling you know in terms of the anxiety and depression and everything else and obviously not solely down to that particular thing but 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 it was definitely a large contributing factor the one thing that really helped was that my my shift to um viewing my purpose 
on this planet as being kind of what I alluded to earlier in regards to teenagers, a student, right? And that is what I consider my purpose to be in life. First and foremost, above anything else, I'm a student. I am then a CEO, a founder and CEO, I'm a husband, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a father. But number one for me, that's my main purpose, to learn. You know, And I think that's really important. It's not just for a teenager or a kid, it's for everyone. Because of that, and I think as long as you hold that in, as a, as a at least it works for me, um, the pressure is never to be, to be um, successful, it's to be better, right, than I was yesterday. That that so that's the that's the the pressure I give myself, and I but I think it's a healthy one <laughs> to some degree. Yeah, you know, right. I think that's great, and I I think ego comes into that um, mm. around like, oh no, I've I, I know everything, and right, I'm yeah. something I'm really working on myself now is like like leave the ego at the door, you know, mm. and I. I mean, my my background is like Middle Eastern. Um, I'm the eldest of nine. Like, I grew up. I grew up with a massive ego. Um, like, it's this very like leadership focus. Like, you are in charge. I know everything. Like, very what I would say like an Arab mindset. Um, right, yeah. And um, and the and the reason I say that is just because all of my family members from my family are like that. It's like very much like oh, we know everything. Um, so a lot of confidence extreme confidence and i think yeah. that, that i think there's nothing wrong with extreme levels of confidence i just mm. think when it crosses over with ego then yeah. it then it becomes dangerous and that feeds into your self-doubt um but it also can um be a barrier to opportunity and um a really good example is um like going to the gym when you go to a gym where there's like lots of people with extremely high egos you feel really insecure, you feel really um, like you lack confidence um, and it's a constant battle to be like the best and you're competing against the other people in the room. Um, whereas when you let go of that ego, you stop comparing yourself and competing against everyone else and you just start focusing on yourself. And um, that's like a key, I think that's a huge, a huge thing for an entrepreneur to learn and understand mm. um, because um, if you if you really understand and believe that, then you go into a room full of other really ambitious people, and you light up the room, and you really you gain so you gain much 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 more than you would if you went in with a huge ego, um, mm. which can be quite threatening to many people. Um, Absolutely, yeah. Well, and it's dangerous, right? So, in in the sense of like you know, by using your your um, your analogy there of the gym. If you're going in on the assumption that you already know everything, well, you're going to hurt yourself because you're not open to learn how to do something properly and and yeah. all others. So, you know, it's it's literally, you know, it, it can become a, a, a very um, blunt weapon um, that, that can that can hurt those around you. But, yeah, no, that's an interesting point. I think that's that's something to be very mindful of. And again, like to, to my point about being a student, like that that's that's again why I like doing that, uh, that, that approach, because that's a similar thing to me. It's like keep yourself in check, mate. You know, you know. Yes, you're you you, you to a, to some degree. Others will consider you an expert in that field, but never never get comfortable there, right? Yeah. So you know, I'm I'm considered by many to be a, an expert in the in the commercial space. Great. I really appreciate that. It's very humbling, but I don't I don't consider that to be the case because <laughs> if I've got plenty to learn, right? I, but I will give out what I know. Have it. It's yours. 
but I'm still I'm still picking it up from from here, there, and everywhere because then I can give more to others. You know what I mean? That's um, it. And yeah. actually, that's something I've really learned over the last over the last year. Like after the pandemic, I I kind of like my ego is just like, oh my gosh, I'm super successful. Like I'm I like know everything. Like I'm an expert in my area. Um, and um, like this huge ego and I felt like really static with my success because when you reach right. that point, you're like all right I've achieved my peak and then you like you there's no peak there's no like level because there's always more to gain mm. and there's another peak to climb and once realizing that and kind of like reining that ego back in I started to feel so much better and yeah. I started to like see more opportunities and it, I then realized like I need to stop just take 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 and I need to give 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 because it's that whole yes. energy and like yeah. money like when you give it you get it back and yeah. um I think that's a like a if I could do like my top three um uh like tips for like growing starting and growing a happy and successful business one of them would be leave your ego at the door and the next one would be obviously learning like continue to learn and then the next the third one would be like be generous with your knowledge because mm. i think when you're generous with your knowledge you attract like you attract people who are going to boost you who are going to bring opportunities to you and you're also you just feel happier like people love like as i think like, we love to give people things we, we love to to help people yeah. uh, and if you're doing that on a daily ba basis more people are likely to help you and, and it you you just it's just like a cycle um i agree and those are three really good tips i would add a fourth to that um only only born out of experience to to the same sort of mindset you have sort of after the fact almost which is yes be generous with your knowledge but get it verified before you're generous with that knowledge mm. and the reason why they say that i say that's because i see a lot of people out there um again mostly young entrepreneurs <laughs> um giving out actually you know not just young also equally old old idiots as well um giving out giving out advice and, and and things like that which is you know again my wheelhouse what i do but they they aren't vetting it they aren't getting it verified they, they sort of you know getting it getting it firsthand very quickly and then and then and then passing it on and of course what ends up happening is um, a lot of bad practice is shared a lot of bad advice mm -hmm. is shared a lot of misinformation is shared and 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 these days i think that's more important than ever to just double check things, you know, to double check advice or, or best practice and be like, you know, is this actually the best way to do this? Are there other ways of doing it? Because of, of what you're touching on there in some ways relates to the, I think it's the Kruger knowledge curve, you know, where you, you kind of, you don't know what you don't know, right? So you, you, you end up at this sort of little peak uh, on the curve and as far as you're concerned, it's kind of like that um, that analogy of the cave wall, right? Where the shadows are casting in the cave wall. From the perception of being inside the cave, um, you know, what, what you see is vastly different from what's outside the cave. But you have no idea because you're ignorant to it. So you don't you don't know. So you, you're sat there thinking, oh, right, yeah, I know all there is to know. The world is uh, as it is being portrayed, you know, in this shadow. Um, but but it's only by I think doing exactly what you said, and actually starting to give out that people will start giving something back and saying, or maybe disagreeing with you, 
And I think that's actually probably one of the best things that can happen is someone going, no, you're an idiot. That's that's terrible advice. <laughs> yeah. Let's let's talk about it. Let's ex- yeah. examine why. And then, and you're like, oh, Christ, someone's challenging me. This yeah. is great. Because, <laughs> like, you know, up until that point, if you're just in your little bubble and you just think you're, 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 you're you know, you're, you're the dog's bollocks, as it were. <laughs> like, you know, there's nothing worse than being comfortable, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Know. And but I that, think it's it's easy to get comfortable. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah. easy. Yeah. Um, and then also, I think, like, mainly going back to the fact that you were kind of discussing. Um, oh, it's just gone out of my head. I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> it's the sun. It's melting your brain. It, it is. <laughs> well, look, let's, in that case, let's take this opportunity. I want to pivot um, the conversation back towards the business because, yeah. Um, like, you, 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 yeah. I, I, tell us more. Tell me more about it. Uh, we, we've always spoke about it. I know what it is, but for the, for the, you know, the sake of um, anyone watching or listening. You know, tell, tell me more about uh, Mature Movers. What is so, it? How does it work? Where did the idea come from? So, um, as I briefly mentioned before, um, at the when I graduated, I started a... I'm actually going to start before that. So, I was... When you were born? Yeah, <laughs> on the 22nd of November, 1996. <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, so I was at, at university and I was really convinced I was going to be like some sort of elite athlete or coach or something to do with elite sport. Mm. Uh, because at that time, that was, I mean, just before that, that was the main um, kind of route you would go down, like strength and conditioning for uh elite sport clubs or individual athletes and, and things like that if you wanted to kind of make a, a kind of a, a very good li- living um in the sports industry and this is also at the same time that like influencers were becoming much like becoming an influencer was becoming much more accessible because even at that point like if you've ever read jessica ennis's um biography um like she had to have like a full-time job also being um a uh heptathlete and she like she could there weren't such things as there were but they were they weren't as accessible as like sponsorships um Mm. and and like influencer branding uh, and things like that so even if you wanted to be an athlete you still had to have a job and um i sat in this lecture hall and I was learning about the unit was called physical activity prescription and promotion and I just thought like there it was all learning about like how one the UK is living a in an obesity epidemic and how health conditions primary um, cause of health conditions is sedentary living and it was just a massive wake up call for me. And I was like, all right, well, so what's anyone doing about this? Mm. So I did my, I actually did my dissertation on um, the UK obesity epidemic and, and looked into um, like large scale strategies that the government were running and, and, um, and things like that. And it was just nothing that was working and like nothing really available. Um, and it, and it wasn't being prioritized um, in 2018 as much as it is today. And um, as a result, I just I just changed my whole like mindset. And I was like, I don't want to go into elite sport. There are enough people doing this job. Um, I really want to go and help people. I, I I recognize this. I see it in my family. I've got family who live extremely sedentary lives. Who've got 
a plethora of health conditions that they have to deal with on a daily basis um and it's really really affecting them and I, i'm obviously very health orientated like i've always played sports i've always been food conscious i've always like loved physical activity and um that's why i started my first business um and then luckily I have no idea. I mean, when the, the pandemic started, I thought, gosh, I'm not going to be able to help anyone because it was the most vulnerable group of people. Everyone was super isolated. Um, and at that time, we just started to break into care homes. And obviously, care homes are on complete lockdown. So you couldn't enter care homes, you couldn't work in them, you couldn't have instructors going in and, and, and running sessions. Um, and I sort of went into complete panic. Um, but I mean, now I was extremely successful. My company made um, its highest level of revenue um, to that date, to that year. Um, and so how, did, how did you overcome not being able to go into care homes? Did you just have to wait it out? Or did you find some sort of solution around, around that? We, we, we kind of went from, so everything before the pandemic was face to face. Hmm. It was 100% face to face. And then during the pandemic, we, we went from like, we went to, 90% online and then 10% face to face because we could still work with certain individuals in certain um capacities um and as a result um our reach just just grew we just had more mm. reach and we because we could be online we could work with organizations all around the UK we could work with individuals all around the UK um and it also the time that I had, I focused on learning more about the industry and the market and gaining a better understanding of, of what we can do to help more people. And during this time, we basically reached max capacity. I couldn't take on any more clients. Um, we couldn't run any more projects. And I thought like, how can we scale this? Like, how can I scale this? How can I employ more people? What can I do? And I did a crowdfunding campaign to um research and and invest in developing my initial concept of mature movers which has drastically changed since um about june 2020 um so that's what i did i just learned i understood the the market um delved more into retirement living and how we can um focus on the opportunities there and then um over time i've just really come up with lots of different ideas of how to access more people how to help more people done obviously competitor competitor analysis realized there's nobody doing what we do in the uk um and if they are they are in a similar position and they are un, unable to scale mm. um so without kind of giving away too much information um because we're obviously in a quite a key point where we're looking for investors um and there's lots of opportunities and we want to be essentially the first movers in the market in the uk um because you, you there are companies that have scaled that are doing very similar things in the states and australia but the uk just hasn't hasn't got there yet um so we're helping older adults find and access physical activity services quick and easy essentially um which at this point in time is so challenging um mm. i still on a week on a daily basis inquiries um to utilize our services all across the uk and we have to turn people down because we don't have the 
um, foundational structure to be able to meet their needs. And that's what I'm investing in. That's what Mature Movies is all about. It's about being able to offer those people a solution to their needs. Um, and the way to do that is, I mean, a, a huge question I get from investors and people that find out about Mature Movies is, oh, but don't you think that... Um, that age group I, I literally had a panel um where i was pitching for some grant funding last week and one of the questions which i always get is oh but what about uh do you do you think that this group is like digitally savvy enough to be using a solution like this and we're suit like i think younger people there are there are definitely people that wouldn't be able to utilize a web-based platform um within the, the the age group that we're targeting but that's not a very that's not a very big amount of people um it's, yeah. it's minority and we're not targeting every single older adult in the uk we're targeting a specific group of people um that are tech savvy that are motivated to improve their physical health that want to be more physically active that are in the over 60 age category um and that is a majority and um we're working on ways to make it extremely user friendly so that and the whole key element and one of our unique selling points is the fact that it's quick and easy and it's mm. not not spending hours and hours and hours which people don't want to do researching local like local solutions to their physical mm. health needs um and then there's a massive opportunity there to work within um public health um as a a solution to physical activity because there are lots of very small groups in councils and districts and and charities offering amazing amazing work um to help people be more physically active but they don't have the reach or they don't have the the means to be able to really help a lot of people um yeah. like like we were in that position we get it but now we i have the ability and also the mindset and the experience and the ambition to to change that um so it's a lot going on um and <laughs> it's really exciting um mm. but yeah that's that's basically what mature movies is and what i'm doing yeah thanks for that. it's i mean it's a really important thing um what what's interesting there is what you said as well about the yeah the the question that you get um there was a business i was working with i can't remember which one it was now a little while back where that was a similar sort of question that was brought up from investors uh for the offering and yeah i mean it's not it's not actually as big a deal as people make it out to be um you know we've got to bear in mind uh you know there's been quite a few years since the introduction of uh, of a lot of this technology and i think one of the the contributing factors to making uh older generations a lot more tech literate as well was covid because like you said the fact that you know it's adoption rate for online yeah, yeah it was forced change and so you know a lot of people become a lot more familiar with with uh with things like video conferencing and, and that sort of thing um as a result or, or even just 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 how to navigate a little bit more on a platform for for shopping online and this that, and the other so it's yeah it's not it's interesting that that's still a, a question that you get yeah but, and yeah. that number of people is never going to like it's never going to decrease do you know what i mean it's yeah. just going to grow like the the more time goes by the more users will have access to um or yeah. larger the target market will will become because exactly because we'll all get old one day yeah exactly <laughs> yeah um, but then but then the technology might be uh vastly more uh advanced but maybe we will be struggling <laughs> but then 
I see it as a great opportunity because we're like first time movers to the market. We're establishing ourselves quite early on. And there will be, um, I don't know what the word is, a digital um, intellectual difference between age i think like constantly that that's never going like to a, like a like a technical literacy sort of yeah difference almost yeah yeah between between like like i know that i know a lot less than a 12 year old um who has access to games and um i don't, I don't chat cheap gpt and yeah but it's a different kind of literacy isn't it i mean because right. they, they they equally you know would have no idea how to use adobe software or you know microsoft were uh, you know microsoft office and you mm -hmm. know what i mean like there's and and, and a ton of other uh, uh you know platforms that we have to use day to day in running a business you know for accountancy for you know for finance for, for sales and marketing so i mean like you know it's just a different type of literacy really yeah but and it, you know in terms of everyone's got to learn it and i mean video conferencing is just growing um yeah. and it's becoming more hello again hi greg i'm really sorry about that <laughs> right, what's going on today it might, it might be uh are you using a laptop yeah. yeah it might be overheating maybe i did think that but it's not in the sun and it doesn't feel like potentially hotter than usual so i don't I, I, I mean, I hope it is potentially overheating because then it's not a, another issue that I have to figure out. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, so hopefully it doesn't happen again, but you might have to no do worries. some editing. <laughs> yeah, I'll do some editing, don't worry. Um, but yeah, so you, obviously you mentioned that you're fundraising at the moment. So tell me a bit more about that. What is it that you're you're seeking? When are you, when are you closing the round? Um, yeah, give us a bit more information for any of the, the investors watching. So... Um, when I actually, um, when I entered this whole fundraising thing, it's the first time I'm doing it, um, I've had to really learn and about fundraising. And I thought it's going to be pretty straightforward. It's that whole naive thing again um, mm. of like going in and being like, oh, yeah, this will be fun. Um, <laughs> but it is a real, real struggle. And um, sometimes I just feel like I'm really like I'm by myself and I'm the only one that's struggling with this whole fundraising thing. Um, and then... I go to a, a networking event which is focused on fundraising and everyone's mm. in the same position so i'm like okay it's not just me yeah. um so the round is i think i mean off the top of my head i'm very wedding focused at the moment so um we're supposed to close in october um however that will be delayed um one because of the changes in the seis legislation um so that came into effect in April. However, it hasn't gone through and it won't go through probably until July. Mm -hmm. um, so for anyone listening that doesn't know, um, the cap was £150,000 and now it's £250,000 um, based on those changes that were made. Um, and I think it's also an extension of three years instead of two years, the business mm -hmm. needs to be running so um that really really benefits me um so i'm waiting for that to to be able to um kind of get the advance assurance for that um i'm working currently working with seed legals um on all of those elements um so they've said let's wait till july um so wait until july to, to to get the advanced assurance um so that's delayed everything already getting married 
I knew that was happening. So that hasn't delayed it massively, but it has. Such a, such a pain, isn't it? No. These wedding can, can be worse timing. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so in terms of the clothes, I have to reassess that um, when I get mm. back and when my mind is in a, in a better place mm. um, and I can really focus on it. Um, how much? £500,000 um which i'm also looking to like partially grant fund um so not all angel investor investment um for mainly for an equity perspective um and i think that's pretty much it um i'm hoping to find out about some money potentially um uh, being invested at the end of the month um so fingers crossed um and i I'm looking forward to when I have built a multi-million pound company, well, when Mature Movies is a multi-million pound company, and I have experienced what fundraising is, and I can do it again, and with a better understanding of it. And I think, I do think that this is a little bit more challenging just because I'm I'm constantly learning, which I expected, but like you, you, you think you become kind of like a certain, you have like a certain level of expertise in this, in this field of running a business. And then somebody, an investor asks you for a one pager and you're like, I've been doing this for months and no one's ever asked me for a one pager. Mm -hmm. So then you have to go away and create a one pager. Um, Cause then you're like, well, what's the point of the pitch deck? <laughs> yeah. um, so um, it's, it's a constant learning experience. Mm -hmm. um, I think we briefly spoke about this in another meeting about how the fact that it's literally sales and marketing um, yeah. when it comes to fundraising, which was really actually a refreshing way of approaching it. Um, mm. And instead of now, instead of me looking at it, it's like, oh, this is not something I've ever done before. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm actually looking at it as, oh, it's just sales and marketing. I've done this mm. before. I know, I know how to do this. Yeah. And it's a massive mindset change. Um, and, and, and what is sales and marketing? It's the ability to... Uh, communicate effectively an yeah. idea idea personality to build rapport to get on with people like so you know when you really boil it down it's just relationship building because if i think that there's a bit of a misconception with a lot of uh for a lot of uh new new founders let's say when they 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 explore into fundraising for the first time that they need to know everything that they will be found out as you know yeah as a fraud if they don't go into these meetings knowing everything about finance and fundraising and how and vcs work and this that and the other and the, the truth is investors don't give a shit about that they really don't what they care about is that you're a good human being that you've got drive you've got ambition that you are the one that's going to make this business successful that you're a good bet right yeah. and, and what they what you don't know they'll very happily teach you you know obviously you need to have a, a you know general understanding of it in the sense of like because that that makes you um more likely to succeed because you have that that general understanding. so that that's tied with that but, but they don't expect you to know it to the level of an investor you know um and and at the end of the day that's also what legal advice is for or financial yeah. advice is for on your on a founder end you get you bring in professionals when the time comes to, to plug in those knowledge gaps and then you learn as you go and truthfully you don't need to learn all of it like you know yeah you could decide to retain as much as possible and learn everything if you have the ambition to you know maybe in, in late later in your career like you said do it again or maybe get involved in being an investor yourself and and, and so for that reason but ultimately just focus on being a founder like that's the best advice i always give to people what advice would you you give to anyone out there who's maybe looking to to enter into raising for the first time 
I think going back to the whole ego thing is really important. Like right. you go into it thinking you know everything um, because you won't and you'll learn. And also if you pretend to know everything, people don't, don't like, it doesn't resonate with people. Well, um, people know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I feel like I had to try and pretend to know everything. Like, right. I, I'm not, I don't make things up, but I would get really panicky because I'm like, oh, like in my head, I'm like, oh my God, I don't know that. Like, they're going to, they're, like, they're going to hate me. Um, it's like that internal, like, um, devil voice where it's like, oh, you're not worth it. You're, um, you're not yeah. good enough. It's that whole idea of thinking, just bring you're, it. You're not smart enough. Um, yeah. You don't yeah. know enough. Um, so my my whole my 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 biggest tip would be go in and be yourself. And if you don't know something, just ask. Like just be like, oh, I'm really sorry, I don't know what that means. And that's something I'm getting more confident at. It doesn't happen overnight. It's it's like okay, stop. Just have a breather. Ask the question again, or um, just say I'm not 100% confident in that area of um, of whatever it is you're discussing. Yeah, so I'm uh, new to this. This is the first time I'm doing this. Yeah. So I'm afraid I don't know what that means. Could you explain it to me? Or I'll find out and get back to you. All of those are completely viable answers. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Um, so that would be my number one. And then my number two would to be, like, don't put so much pressure on yourself to achieve a certain amount of money by a certain date because I, I had that um, in my head. And, like, so much happens during the fundraising process that you have to adapt to the environment you have to adapt to your business you have to adapt to the people that you're talking to um and it's not an easy road um it's super super bumpy and um putting too much pressure on yourself is never going to be a good outcome um it's never going to do anything positive for yourself you need to be disciplined and you need to have a structure and a strategy a hundred percent um, but don't internalize um, that pressure on yourself. Like you're the reason this hasn't like you haven't achieved this. You, you're the you're the problem here. It 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 the world works in such mysterious ways. Um, mm. And I'm big believe in everything happens for a reason, and it happens when it happens for a reason. So um, it is just one of those things that every founder will will have a different experience and I'm currently doing the Barclays funding readiness program um with Capital Enterprise and uh they do meetup events uh where they have panels and they have like previous founders who have uh raised and exited or are in the process of raising like um a, a round B or or something like that so and what I've learned from that is everybody has the same worries like mm -hmm. like you we're, we're all kind of wired similarly and although the experience is completely different we're going through very similar things um even at different stages so if you're a pre-seed compared to um like series c like you're like it's so so diverse but so similar mm. and that's a really hard thing to explain unless you've talked to people um and other founders in the industry um mm. and something that's just quickly come to mind is networking is i think the key to yeah. fundraising and i didn't know that at the beginning um that wasn't made that wasn't made clear to me or maybe i didn't understand it a hundred percent but networking it's not just about like meeting somebody who's going to invest in your company it's also about nurturing relationships because mm. 
that person might be able to help you in the future it's not necessarily like right at this point now um and they also might know someone who knows someone uh, mm. so i think that if you understand that networking is the key to it get, get raising investment um your strategy um and you implement that into your strategy the process will be a little bit less um challenging mm. i think that's really good advice that you know um it kind of goes back to what we said earlier about giving without expectation right and i think that's what good networking is not not in the, the, this sort of i think a lot of people if they haven't done any sort of business networking before their perception of it is very much like oh hi how are you what do you do for a living okay how can you benefit me today and you know how can i benefit you today it's it's not like that it's not at all transactional it's, it's or at least a good good networking events aren't then it's more like you said uh, you know really going in without expectation um and to try and really be as helpful as possible i think is actually the best to be offering out you know how can i help you what do you need to know what you know and you'll get it back and like you said, a really important thing I think you mentioned on there is not is the realizing you're not alone element of it. You know, so like you said, when you're speaking to other founders or seeing them talk about the experience, you're suddenly realizing that a lot of what you're experiencing is very similar, regardless of stage, size of company, vertical, anything like that. And I think that's humbling, but it's also kind of reassuring, right? Yeah massively reassuring and it is a lonely road being a founder especially if you don't have a co-founder um and i think that just keep like keep talking to people um and 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 putting yourself in in different environments and i know that can be really hard because i don't live in london um i luckily moved house for the sole purpose to have easy to live in a commuter town um mm. because i know that there are a lot more opportunities in london I, i'm a londoner i grew up in london um however if you do live more rurally or you don't have access to kind of like networking hubs or investor hubs and things like that it is challenging but you will find a way and you do there's a lot of online things these days now as yeah. well which is good yeah you have to just put yourself out there and mm. i'm a true believer in the fact that if you put yourself out there good things will come back um yeah. and it's it is a long journey it's it's yeah yeah <laughs> yeah i think as well a really good thing to do is is to to start um in some ways almost like a, a founder diary online you know to make your your presence on linkedin or twitter or whatever platform of choice you have to be almost like a yeah just a, a, exactly that a diary because again it's that similar thing of putting something out into the ether and, and things will start coming back to you. And especially, like you said, if you are a little bit more isolated outside of the capital, um, uh, but, but looking to kind of get into ingratiated into some of these networks and meet similar people, that's a really great way of doing it because of you're putting out those, th those signals essentially to say, this is me, this is what I'm about. And others going through similar things, doing similar things will pick up on that. And that's, that's a very good way of starting to build that, that, that network digitally, but not only that, but it's also starting to build something of a personal brand, you know, that your voice will come through, your personality will come through and investors are very in tune to that as well. Cause like I said, it's about, it's about personality a lot of it you know is this person capable of bringing this business here you know to, to the stage that we hope that it will get to and so that's a really good indicator of that and that's another reason why i like doing these these um these these episodes as well because it's it's the opportunity to get people on and, and just be themselves hopefully <laughs> um and fit, you know i i hope i can put people at ease enough that they can sort of relax and be themselves and just chat um because it, and, and not just about the business but about other things like we've talked about because i think it, it it reveals about the person and that's what's appealing to people at the end of the day is, is personal stories you know yeah. 
yeah so so hopefully that helps whether that's to inspire another founder or or to make a VC go or, or an angel go hmm I should maybe get in touch you know I like this person I like the cut of their jib you know yeah and I I, I love that like I, I personally love helping um, mm. people achieve um like it's something I really thrive on is 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 providing somebody with some sort of support that really really impacts their life or or something and i think that's why i run my business and that's why my business is very social focused um but well, i mean essentially that's the purpose of your businesses they've always been to help others achieve a goal yeah fitness but but of course that ties massively into to, to well-being overall so yeah it's no surprise that that's kind of ingrained in your personality to want to help others mm. achieve things and i think my my goal eventually after selling and exiting multiple multi-million pound businesses um is to become a founders coach um and and really like coach startups through the whole process because um, it's not what it's cracked up to be <laughs> if it makes you feel any better uh, but I think I told you this last time we spoke when people ask me what I do for a living I often tell them I get ignored for a living <laughs> that's 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 pretty much what it's like to be to be coaching or advising founders but uh, yeah, occasionally, like, occasionally something gets through but <laughs> yeah and I think you do have to have your kind you have a great approach where you're like it is what it is you know um and yeah. I do. I, I I love coaching and I love helping people and I love using my own experience to to offer advice. And I I do think that that I'd be very well suited in an environment where I utilise my experience. I I don't think this will happen for many years, like maybe in forty years. But um, no, but I, it's clearly in your DNA. Yeah, you can tell. Like yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and I do think like that. That's. Like it's really important to be, as I said, generous with your knowledge, mm. um, and obviously, with with considering like back up your expertise and and make sure what you're saying is like valid, essentially. Yeah, um, yeah. But if you're giving your if you're giving advice based on experience, it's your experience, and you can't really get it wrong. Um, mm. So I think, and also knowing what what you don't know, um, is yeah, key to that. Um, because that's, I, and that's the hardest thing. Yeah, yes, yes, it is hard. Um, or just putting your hands up and being like, "Yeah, I don't know this. Um, mm. I'm going to go and find out, or I'm going to advise that you go and find somebody who does." Um, mm. So I think, yeah, it's all it's all mixed in with with everything, and and everything works together, and and eventually it will come together. Mm. And and so, what, where where are things at with the business currently? So you know, obviously you're raising now, but um, but. But presumably you're sort of be beginning to spin up operating. Actually, I know we talked about this before, but I actually can't remember. Are you beginning to spin up operating to, to some degree now um, while raising? Or where, where, yeah, where so I'm working with a development house in London, which I've I've worked with for other projects. Um, and I mean, although we were supposed to have the beta version finished on the 15th of May, um, <laughs> it's not ready yet. Um, and... Um, so I'm hoping that when I get back from my honeymoon, I will have a finalized version. And the goal is to really just um, to subscribe as many users as possible. Um, mm. And we're, and we're also will be doing a pilot study with um, Audley retirement villages over three of their villages. Um, so two of the villages based in Kent and potentially one in London. Um, so 
to just really test the functionality of the platform, but also gain an understanding as to maybe what's the next stage, what what do, what do users want um, that we've completely ignored or we haven't even thought of. Um, so um, there's an ele element of innovation. Um, there's an element of really refining a really good and creating a really good and easy and simple product um, mm. that people want to use. Um, and and ultimately helping people with and demonstrating that change and that impact so um that's that's kind of where i'm at at the moment um with with the business so yeah can you can you explain because obviously you talked about what the main purpose of of uh, mature movies is and stuff but can you explain what what you envisage the user journey being like so so from from yeah from, from one of your your prospective users they go on the platform what happens? What do they do? So when they come onto the platform, they can make a free account. Um, in that account, it takes about three minutes, probably probably less, just depends on how fast your reading is, um, eyesight, all of those things. Um, I mean, you can make screens bigger and, and smaller and, and text. I have to consider these things because of the age group. Mm -hmm. um, and um, you fill out a survey. Uh, it's just like a tick box questionnaire at this point, And it then recommend it, recommends um the most appropriate classes based on your input so we consider things like preferences so are you only open to in-person classes or, or are you open to in-person and online classes and then there's also an element of health so what health conditions do you have do you have copd do you ha have you had a stroke um have you got long covid um do you have a um musculoskeletal condition that makes you unable to um walk for long periods of time different things like that yeah. so extract all that information um and then they act, they have access to those recommendations and the the free essentially the free version is a pay-as-you-go version so you have your free account and if you want to attend one class you pay for that class you access that class through the system um and you attend um and then your attendance is tracked so you can keep track of um, how many classes you, you're attending, how regularly you're exercising, and eventually there'll be a lot more kind of measurable um, uh, physical health elements to it so that you can share that with your loved ones or your GP and, and things like that. Um, and then um, the kind of the main subscription would be an unlimited subscription where you um, have access to five main recommendations. You access all of those um, and it's unlimited access to those recommendations, um, which could be online, in person. Um, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of e evolutionary factors to the platform that a lot of investors ask about or a lot of people interested, like, oh, why don't you do this? Why don't you do this? And obviously I know now you have to keep it super simple and you yeah. have to have kind of one main thing that you do right now. And that's what we do. Um, do, do one thing really, really well. Yeah. And that's what we're, that's what we're, that's our ambition. That's, that's yeah. what we're, we're trying to, to develop, not get distracted by what other people suggest. Um, mm. And because I know that a lot, a lot of other people suggest are really important and it is something that we will implement maybe in, in a year's time or in, in two years time. But right now it's all about focusing on this big, big gap in the market and offering this one thing that people need and it makes it, it makes it super simple um, for them to get this solution to their problem. 
so yeah that's essentially the easy journey i attend the class um yeah that's great and what sort of um range of class like types of classes do you um envisage there being we rather than being kind of a general exercise platform we want to be more health focused um right. so more things like cardiac rehabilitation um so it'd be a group class focused on people with potentially cardiac who have experienced um heart attacks in the past um or have uh long-term health conditions associated with their heart functioning um mm -hmm. other classes so i mean most classes now that are available um are just for older adults there's no specification um as to kind of like older adults are super diverse compared to younger adults and um when it comes to older adults depending on how they've lived their life they may be you i mean i i've worked with 90 year olds who are fully self-sufficient fully physically independent can get from the floor to standing super easily without um fear of falling and then i also work with 90 year olds who uh, part-time wheelchair users or need to use a stair lift or don't have the ability to get in and out of a car by themselves and I think that that's the the real key element to what we offer is we target your the classes based on your current abilities and mm. health conditions um, rather than just like dumping all six over 60 year olds in one group because it just doesn't work like that and it also doesn't work based on 60 to 70 year olds and 70 to 80 year olds and 80 year olds to 90 year olds because a 60 year old can have the same mobility levels as a 90 year old um yeah. plus depending on the way that they've that they've lived their life genetic factors um and injury so um that's what we're trying to offer is work with we'll we obviously provide this already but to be able to scale we have to work with other providers and other instructors so um mm. like working with physio uh, clinics and private clinics that offer Pilates for um, postural realignment um, and things like that. So it's, we're also helping instructors and um, exercise specialists reach more people um, and yeah. reach reach more targeted people. So um, I, I believe that because we have, we the the business model is so focus on helping people that it will be successful because it's yeah. it's a it's a clear need um and we're providing a solution to that need so yeah yeah so i mean i get would it be fair to say then you're always always kind of have your ear to the ground in terms of new providers right that that's that's always going to be a need and, yeah. and what, what about um providers that maybe don't have a setup for um for, for providing say online would, would that be something that you guys would sort of assist with is that what yeah. you're hoping to achieve as well so um something that i've learned from a personal point of view is i love companies that go above and beyond and i think that that's like mm -hmm. you're just providing like much more value i think you discussed this with is it um gabriel um mm -hmm. in in one of your other podcasts it's just like yeah Give as much value as you can. Oh, good! Someone watches this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and um, sorry, my dog's barking, which means my cleaner's here. Um, and um, what was I saying? Yeah, value. Going above and beyond. Um, yeah, I think you have to go above and beyond um, to be mm. able to run a, like a successful, but to to really. Um, it's about being oh, memorable, right? 
it's about being memorable but like mm. op optimizing the user experience um mm. whether it's a provider or a, or a subscriber um and I, people keep coming back like i know that i will use a company like if you have one bad experience that can put you off for the rest the, yeah. like for the rest of your life you're ne you'll just never use that that provider or you'll never buy that product again Whereas if you've got like if you if you feel like really valued as a customer or a, or a provider, you want to keep giving people your money. You're like, yeah, like I really. It's that whole give and get, um, like that exchange. Biggie, sorry, I'm just gonna go and shut the door. Um, bear with. So yeah, so um. I think it's really important to to offer that that support mm. so providing instructors and really nurturing them to to help them to grow themselves um yeah. and also reach more people and i mean most fit people in the within the fitness industry do what they do to help people mm. um obviously money is, is is very important it makes the world go round um does it um, <laughs> and a question for another time um but their sole purpose is to is to facilitate health right so, so um, if they can reach more people on that mission then they'll be more they'll be up for that so yeah and there are a lot of instructors who don't want to run massive businesses or don't want mm. to work for corporate or commercial gyms and just want to help people but they get bogged down by all of the admin and marketing side of things and, and mm. that's not what we signed up for and the statistics around personal trainers and are like are, are like crazy yeah. they're yeah. something like it's something like oh i can't i don't want to i don't want to quote it because i don't i'm not sure but um the majority of let's say it's the majority or like 50 percent um of in like personal trainers who qualify like leave the job within a year um mm. of starting and um which is mad and I, and I understand why because you have to be super resilient because you're not just providing a service you're having to work on invoices finances marketing tax potentially yeah. um all of these things that like you don't want to do but you have to do if you and want it's to a, and it's a very high churn business as well isn't yeah it? You know, yeah. you have a lot of drop off. It's very seasonally um, influenced, and yeah, like you're battling people's laziness, <laughs> essentially. Which I know for you know my poor uh, personal trainer, he hasn't seen me for months. <laughs> and, uh, I do. We do message every now and then. And he's like, "Hey, how's it going?" and all that. But, um, but yeah, but like since having baby and stuff, it's just like it's the last thing on my mind. But yeah. and that's the thing; it is it is low priority for, for, for yeah you know, for a lot of people. Which it shouldn't be, but um, it is. But that's no, that's interesting, and I, and I suppose as well the other challenge for um, for for those in in the sort of fitness space, especially those that are, that cater for or specialize for um, older adults, um, it must be even more difficult for them to to market to that very specific category of individuals. So so partnering with with a, an organization like yours would be kind of like we're taking you know, away a lot of problems. Yeah. Like that incredibly valuable for them to be able to say, yeah. you know, we, we can hopefully start driving more of that to you. Um yeah. And, and yeah, and I really agree with your sentiment about providing that experience. I used to say there uh, well so I've said it in a couple of companies, but there's one company in particular I remember working with where um I was running a sales team and I had some some um uh, uh, some 
uh, involvement with the, the customer success team as well. And one of the, the things I always said to them was, you need to, you know, essentially conduct yourself in a manner uh, when you first speak to one of our providers, so it's B2B, B2C, in such a way that they are excited to see your number come up on their screen the next time you're called. They should literally be looking going, oh, brilliant, it's so-and-so from... You know what I mean? Like that's the way it should be. You should be having a laugh with them. You should be going above and beyond. You should be giving over, you know, under uh, promising, over delivering, like all that kind of stuff. So the next time they see you, that the, the way they answer the phone, hey, Greg, how are you? Thanks for calling. And they literally drop what they're doing. You know, yeah, and, and this and this used to happen. We'd have people running businesses to be like, I've got a customer. They're right here, but I've got to speak to you. Like you know what I mean? They they'd say they can wait. I want to chat with you. I want to see how you're doing. You know, tell me. Tell me what I can learn today. What should I be doing? You know, that's the kind of stuff that, that you know, that's what you want. It's hard to achieve, but it can be done. <laughs> you know, yeah, sure. I agree. I mean, I think so far, um, seed legals who have been helping me, I, I feel that from them. Oh, really? Yeah, I feel like they go, like everybody I speak to, um, whether, it's my, whether it's my account manager, where it's the person who specializes in SEIS, they're always so buzzing and so supportive mm. and like, super like non non-judgmental yeah. um and when i don't know something they help me and um so as a result i've been willing to kind of go on extra calls with them to give them feedback about their platform or feedback mm. about the service because i'm like you really helped me i'm happy to really help you and i yeah. recommended that see legals to so many people just mm. as a result of their customer uh, service and um i mean i haven't really i haven't really utilized their service as much as i should but i'm still really really pleased with what i've achieved um with them and mm. how the process it's the process i think as well it's not like it's not just like i need this therefore i need like i need something that gives me this super easily but it's like a kind process you know like enjoyable mm. as you said like making sure you feel valued and yeah. making sure that people are giving you a positive experience um and i'm i'm super sensitive to bad experience um mm. so i and i know that i would never ever want to be treated in a certain way so i would never ever treat someone in that way and i mean although this might not be business smart it's a personal thing that i do i always try to find a solution for someone even if i can't help them so mm. for example we get inquiries from all across the uk um from children of older adults to older adults themselves and um sometimes i have to turn around and be like i'm really sorry we don't have anything in your area and then i'll go away and i'll spend like 20 minutes researching something that they can have access to and then i'll send them the, the references just so that they don't feel like they've like left and to me i'm going above and beyond mm -hmm. but not because i'm like I, i'm they're going to be a customer in the future they probably won't be a customer in the future but i've left a really good taste in their mouth and yeah. i I do what I do to help people at the end of the day. So it's not super business not because my time is really valuable and it's really, really precious, but mm. I do it because I love what I do and I want to help yeah. people. Um, get you might not be able to do that forever, but while you can, no harm I will do doing it. Right? Yeah. yeah, exactly. I, I, I recently changed accountant. So I've just got a new accountant on board and, and I did the usual thing of, you know, we're, we're online, you can go on the website, you put put your kind of your, your, your project out there and then people, you know, get in touch and bid for it. And I had a few people get in touch um, and sort of, yeah basically explain how they would work with me etc etc and the one that stood out the most was was a similar sort of thing it's a woman who um just 
absolutely stood out. She was, you know, beaming down the phone. Like you could tell she was had a big smile on her face that she was happy that she and and thrilled to be speaking with me and and you know wanting to have a conversation with me, learn about me and me as a person. We just we just talked and but more than anything else, she went absolutely above and beyond with the information that she provided. You know, um, she said, "Oh yeah, I'll, I'm making note of that. I'm going to email some information about that over because I can tell yeah. you're interested in that." It was like it was really you know even no expectation that I was even going to pick her message i'll pick her and her her um, her firm to to work with, with with me but just she was like i'll send that over it's not a problem like you know if you use it fine yeah if not and in the end uh she quoted it was a higher quote than the others but i was like worth every penny yeah because that's what i'm paying for and, and since then since we that was a couple of weeks ago and since then every time she calls i'm like i drop everything i'm doing and i'm picking up the phone because yeah. I want to speak with her. It's probably going to be a, a fun conversation at the very least, if not informative and, you know, helpful. So why not? You know, and plus, you know, if you're a counter course, you probably should answer the phone anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case, you know, what I mean? they tell you, expect to knock on the door, shred everything, you know. So, um, yeah. so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's good, good advice to have from a customer service perspective. It's, uh, it's one of those things, I think it's one of those foundational principles as a founder that you should be laying as early on as possible. It starts with you, right? And hopefully, yeah. um, as you build your team out, then uh, that will bleed into that function of a business and, and they will, they'll carry that that vision of, of how you want to do things forward. Yeah, setting standards and, and building a, like a culture. And I think, mm. like, I'm super obsessed with Netflix, um, not like the product but like the way they run their company right. and um if you've ever read no rules rules um which is kind of like an hr perspective on like why they think netflix is also super successful but they tried like loads of different um ways of managing staff and like how to optimize uh, productivity and and um success and things like that and um oh Sorry, my brain is like, well, um, <laughs> they were, what were we talking about before before Netflix? Customer success, uh, service and the importance of laying a foundation. and Culture. Yeah, and culture. they talk about culture a lot. Um, mm. So there's an HR specialist, I can't remember her name, um, and then the CEO of Netflix. And a really good case study, that was it, was how they implemented the no rules rules rule um which is essentially like there's not really many rules or there aren't any rules and you can take as much holiday as you like so there's no holiday cap for example and what they saw was um if the like the manager or the people that people look up to the role models within the, the company don't utilize that pe other people won't and so it's about creating that culture of of like setting standards and for example if your manager is taking three weeks off you're um, team members are more likely to do that whereas if they're not taking any time off they're also not take the rest of the team aren't taking any time off and I think it's about that it's like like you're you're it's all about role model role modeling and setting that example for others and once you do that you are creating and instilling like the foundational culture of a company and um that's something that I'm really really hot on is me as a founder is like if I learn what I really really want to value within a company when I have a hundred employees that's the type of culture I want to instill in them um, and I, I mean I work as a consultant in hospitals and um, I go into the 
I go into the offices and this is like private healthcare and the the culture is like super toxic around certain things and I'm like like a really clear example is leaving early if you've done all your work like I never understand why people make their employees leave at 5 p.m if all of their work's done by 3 p.m I'm just like if if the work's done the work's done reward that individual for doing what they've done in far in a far speedier amount of time don't just make them sit there and wait and watch the clock for for two hours um because it it comes with so much more like resentment frustration um and then that impacts on productivity and um the out like work outcomes so yeah culture is really really important um yeah, no, it's it's true. It's funny you mentioned that about the, uh, the the sort of sticking around when you work something. I work with a founder. I'm not going to say his name. A couple of years ago, um, who uh, let's just say we 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 discovered we we had very different approaches at some point working with one another and decided to to call it a day. But um, one thing that kind of was a huge red flag for me. He had a brick and mortar business. Um, as well as this other project that he was um, that I was helping with, which was a SaaS business, and in this brick and mortar business, um, he made his employees um, do just that. It was like you know, if he had let's say, you know, five five of them on shift, and it was absolutely dead, he would say, well, your shift finishes at you know this time, so uh, the cleaning list needs to be done. Doing this, doing this, and when I asked him about it, I was like, why don't you just send them home? There's no one here. Um, his response was, I'm paying them to do a job. I don't pay them to stand around and do nothing. So, well, then just send them home. Like, you know what I mean? Uh, you know, it, 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 was a power, it was a power trip, essentially. Um, and Yeah, power. Yeah, it, that's what it was. He, he enjoyed the, the power he had over these these people. But the other the other thing that was re- that's really interesting or what you said as well is it's, it's like the, you know, you, you set the example as a leader. I mean, let, I like breaking things down into their simplest forms, right? We like we talked about sales, that you know, or you know, going for funding. It's basically sales and marketing. What is sales and marketing? It's basically communication. Leadership isn't rocket science. You know, I, I uh, for example, in my in my consulting, have um, done a lot with social psychology, especially with group psychology. Mm. A group of people together. If one person is a leader, naturally, individual. Bless you. <laughs> you're allergic to my nonsense about social social psychology. Um, naturally, people mimic the behaviours of those that, that are in positions of power. That's just that's something we've always known about human behaviour. You know, we see it in children; they mimic the adults around them, and in adults, we mimic the the individuals around us that we we trust the most to to, to have our best interests at heart, right? Or at least should, in theory, um, because it's a survival thing. It's really not that complicated, you know. So when you think about it, you know, instilling a culture. Bless you again. <laughs> Hay fever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been sneezing nonstop as well recently. Um, yeah, it's really, it's just not, it's just not rocket science. Is what I'm saying. It's just, it's just, you know, yeah. You're going to, of course, it's going to be. Lead, I mean, there's a reason why we call it leading by example. You know, it's it, the, it, the clues in the title. It's, it, being an effective leader means you have to be aware that your behaviours are going to be not only scrutinised but also mimicked. You know, absolutely. You're setting the example. It's it's really not that 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 complicated. So when people say, "How do you set a good culture?" You know, or, or when I've been um, asked to come in to, to examine culture before and help with morale and things like that, I'm saying, "Well, it, it, the buck stops with you. Like, if you've got a bad culture, there, there's a reason for that, and more likely than not, the, the behaviours are stemming from what you're doing. 
So it's one thing for you to say on the, on a big board somewhere, this is our company culture, we do X, Y, and Z. But if, if you're not actually participating yeah. in that in any meaningful way and contributing to it, it's absolutely fucking pointless. You know, absolutely. Yeah. But it's interesting I'm, you went with yeah, Netflix. Because, you know, they're, they're not without controversy as well. Yeah. But I like the controversy. And, I mean, I'm, I'm, I need to kind of get back up to date with kind of what they're doing now. But um, not very well. No rules are... Okay. <laughs> so um, the No Rules Rules book's really, really interesting. And that's like, it's a very clear example of how they learned from their mistakes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, um, when they when they were starting off and 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 things like that and i i mean i think this is a conversation for a whole other episode in a sense that um as a company grows you reach different levels of culture mm. and there are different like there are different it's like a a massive um i don't know if this word makes sense in this context multiverse of elements um within larger organizations when you're as big, big as netflix um so when they were starting off like really really interesting how they've optimized productivity and optimized um creativity and innovation and, and things like that and yeah. um i'm a big believer in um your staff or i don't like calling people staff like your team is um as important is 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 essentially the most important part of the company is who's mm -hmm. running it um and um no matter who or what position the person is within the company every single person um provides something and like that's that that's the type of company i want to to run when i when i've got lots of team members that i need to be supporting managing advising um and and i think it's also about creativity in the way that the mind works and um like recognizing that work is not just work it's life like people spend most of their time working their whole life and you can't be you can't ignore the fact that people have other things except for work um and when you understand that you can really um nurture somebody's work capacity um mm. and work outcomes in in a short and long term of it yeah yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, just to clarify what I said about Netflix there, in case I start getting any hate in the comments. When mm -hmm. I say they're doing, they're not doing well. Um, I mean more. I don't know about culturally, and you know, with all of the stuff you're talking about, maybe they're doing fine. But in terms of financially, I think they're struggling a little bit. That's what I meant more than anything else. But um, but uh, yeah, what, what's interesting is I actually spoke with someone recently who may actually be featuring as a guest on here at some point, who um, who runs an agency that specialises specifically in consulting on on things to do with culture and HR and things like that. And um, we, 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 we connected very much on the sim a very similar stage, which is his sweet spot, which is, is also mine when it comes to culture, which is which you alluded to, which is the, 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 the growth stage, right? Which is incredibly challenging because you've got generally an established, pretty usually fairly intimate startup culture and usually around the series A level is when things get very, very difficult because of, like you said, you then suddenly you're, you're creating additional ecosystems within your business very quickly with a lot of new people. And so what you said there, very well-intentioned, right? But it's not manageable at scale. 
Like, you know, you you mm-hmm. can't directly manage that culture and set the tone anymore. You now need to bring in advocates of your culture and your um, your your uh, your your vision for the company. And of course, people always bring their own spin to things. So they're never going to be clones of you. They're never going to do things exactly the same as you. They're going to they're going to put their own spice on it. And it's very difficult to do, especially in growth stage, because of you're expected to do that very quickly as well. So, you know, you're given a lot of money um, and you're told, right, you know, within the next six months to a year, you need to grow to this this size. Like you don't have the time to to really vet people to the maybe to sometimes the way you should. I've seen it firsthand. And, you know, people yeah. who have been, been hired into leadership positions that really shouldn't have been because they had the credentials on paper. But then what they've done to the to the uh, to the cultural uh, side of things is hugely detrimental. And and I think at that stage, actually, which is what what a, um, th- this guy and I really you know clicked on was there should be a heavier emphasis in fact on hiring for culture at that stage than than for the credentials that that appease the VCs. Yeah. yeah, because quite often it's well you know bring in the bring in the person that's done it before. Now you've got the money. So no 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 bring in the person that's going to fit into the culture and they can grow into yeah. it. That's more important. You know. And also yeah, and I think it's the personality is like is key and like personability and um like like cleaner likely what's the word like likeability um of of an individual um and i think actually ego comes into there it's like that whole power ego element of managerial uh, of a managerial position where if you come in like with this like power hungry attitude you're your colleagues are just not gonna respond they're not gonna engage like i wouldn't i just be like sorry i'm not here for this like i i don't i don't believe in hierarchy um and i think um i believe in leadership absolutely but i don't believe in hierarchy and i think it's really really key to to set that um like the standard of expectations obviously um Mm. And once you have those expectations, it's about really like nurturing and conditioning and um, growing the culture through an individual's personality. And I mean, I see it in, I see it in my partner, like he, he just really, really thrives in his industry just because he's a really likable person and i'm not i'm not like dissing his his like intellect because he is a smart person but he could be like had the same level of intelligence but like less likability and he just wouldn't be as as successful um as he is because what what really sets him apart is his ability to work with every single person on his team um and 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 that's that's yeah, that is probably the best skill that anyone can have in any career is be easy to work with. It's an incredibly yeah. underrated skill that I don't think people really consider. But, you know, mm. it should be top of mind. Be easy to work with because so many people are fucking hard to work with. <laughs> you know what I mean? Look, uh, we, we should wrap up. So um, really quickly before uh, I let you go, um, maybe tell uh, the viewers, listeners, um, where they can find you and um, and yeah, what to expect if they uh, were to follow you on social. I, I put your uh, LinkedIn profile at the beginning, um, and so maybe how they can support you and follow the story. 
perfect so um the best place to find me is on linkedin um and if you ever do want to chat just add me um and say that you listen to the podcast because it'd be nice to know who's listened um so that's just rosaria barreto uh, on linkedin um and then in terms of socials i'm pretty much everywhere um but all my socials are business orientated so um i don't really have personal socials um so if you want to find out more about falls prevention and <laughs> exercise in later life then you can find me on facebook and instagram and youtube um but just search my name and you'll find me just put me into google and it should be straightforward um from there i've got quite good seo um for my name <laughs> awesome brilliant well look um i'm looking forward to us catching up again soon uh hopefully with slightly better internet connection um or or not a melting yeah. laptop <laughs> and uh and then maybe we can we can we can go in a bit more detail and nuance on what we were just sending on there um but yeah good luck with everything keep up the amazing work enjoy the wedding um thank will, you all, this, all the stress will be a distant memory i'm sure uh congratulations <laughs> again and uh yeah my best to, to your husband-to-be and the family Thank you. Thanks, Greg. And have a lovely week. And thank you for having me on the podcast. My pleasure. Thanks so much for coming. Enjoy the weather. See you soon. See Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for watching and or listening. Please like, subscribe and join the conversation in the comments below.